Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, and thanks for joining me, everyone, for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. We have a wonderful episode with Amber Petty, who is a fabulous, lovely human. She is a freelance writer, an entrepreneur. She is a writing teacher and a former actor, and she has some really fun stories and also talks about some of the hard times in her life and you know what got her through that. And I think one of the most interesting things is she talks about leaving acting, which was a profession she'd had so much invested in and what the process of, of walking away from that and going through a bit of grief was like for her. I think a lot of us can relate to that, you know, in the world of recovery with leaving our relationship with the substance of our choice, and or just really changing our lives because a lot of things change when we when we enter into recovery and you know as we move forward and start making choices that we wouldn't have made previously i think it really is important to acknowledge the the grief cycles that can go with that when we're leaving one phase and entering into the next and Amber articulates it beautifully in her own personal story. So this is a a fun episode. And because Amber is actually my writing teacher, that's how I got to know her. I, uh, I was recently published in the Huffington Post. And so I'll put that link there. It's very exciting for me. It's the first time I've been really paid to write and to be published in a, um, somewhat of a well-known, you know, online periodical. So, I wrote really about when I um, when I first quit drinking and how I smoked for a year and how helpful smoking was for me and yeah so check it out it's about a six minute read I'm I'm really excited to to be move, moving forward as a writer it's something I've always really loved to do so in other news the sober girls hiking and adventure club is really fun we had our first group hike our online community is growing. I do online talks once a week about different topics that are important in the world of recovery and hiking. Today, we talked about acupressure points um, that are really handy to know on the trail. Last week, I talked about solo hiking and just ways to get into it. So if you are a woman who loves nature, who cares about the planet, and who who feels like nature is a, an integral part of your own healing, as well as maybe you want to get more adventurous or you are adventurous, please come join the group. This is the place for you. It's well-supported. It's all sober chicks, sober women. And, and I love it. I feel like the vibe is just you know, we can do this and, um, and we are doing it. So I'd love to, to be your guide with the part that maybe you're, you're struggling with or to hear, you know, to hear your adventures and to share an adventures with you. So I'll post a link for that as well, where you can join the sober girls hiking and adventure club. Well, we have our first workshop coming up in a few weeks. That's to be uh, TBD, but it's coming. Thank you as always for checking out the show, for hanging out with me and my guests, and please like, please leave a review, please subscribe to the show, and that really does help us to grow, and it means a lot to me. And if you could tell one friend that doesn't know about the podcast, tell them like, hey, I listened to this cool show. It was really fun. You should check it out. And that also helps us to grow. So enjoy this episode with Amber. If you're someone like me who always wanted to write, I highly recommend her class if freelance writing is the way that you would like to go. Um, And if it's not freelance, if it's writing a book or something else, I definitely just recommend finding someone who can help you along the way because it's tricky to to try to do all of it yourself and figure it out. And um, it's just been very helpful for me. So, and Amber's a delightful human. She's, I think she's hilarious too. So enjoy the episode, my friends, and I will see you next time. Hi, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And with me today, I am honored and thrilled to have Miss Amber Petty with us on the show. Amber is a writer and entrepreneur living in Los Angeles. After spending 13 years in New York as an actor, she got tired of waiting around for auditions and started freelance writing. Six years later, she's written for the New York Times, Thrillist, Greatest, Parade, MTV.com, Bustle, and even Snooki's blog. 
In her freelance writing for actors and creatives class, she's helped students go from no previous experience to bylines in amazing publications such as Business Insider, Huffington Post, Thrillist, Eater, and more. And I'm really excited to have Amber with me here today because I'm actually one of her students and I have to say she's fabulous. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being here with me today, Amber. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. I love your story that you, you know, were an actor and pursuing acting and you were a comedian, right? You were a comedic actor. Is that right? Yeah. I did improv mostly at, and sketch at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater and uh, musical improv with Baby Wants Candy. So I did that stuff. And then, yeah, I was in a parody musical off Broadway and some musical theater too, but yes, yeah, certainly the more comedic side of things. That's so awesome. Could you tell us just a little bit about your story? I know that's a really broad question, but maybe just, yeah, a little bit about your history as an actor and sort of what brought you to LA and where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I like wanted to be an actor since I was a young child. Like I was three and I was so upset because I wanted to be a singer and an actress. And I was like, what am I going to do? How could I do both? (laughs) So thankfully, you know, that career that career freak out ended uh, when I realized musical theater existed. So I wanted, since I was, you know, literally since I was a kid, I was not a professional child actor at any point. Like, thank God (laughs) that my parents never did that. That would have ended oh so terribly. But I did community theater and stuff all through school. And then when I was 17, I moved to New York to go to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And then from there, I lived in New York for, yeah, for about 13 years. And I did UCB and theater and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, it's a frustrating life. (laughs) So it's fun when you're working and then hard when you're not. And especially doing, so I was in a, I was in a parody musical of 50 shades of gray. So, you know, get your autographs ready audience, everybody (laughs) send me in a headshot. No, I'm just kidding. So I was in that, but I did the show as the lead for, you know, eight shows a week, like a typical schedule. And in New York, and this was about six years ago, I made $600 before taxes a week. So that's how much I made um, doing a show every day. So I still had to work two jobs outside of that. Just while I was like, even doing the thing I wanted to do. And so any, I moved to LA when I was about 30 because my husband is a writer and there are more jobs for TV writers. And also I was getting a little tired of musical theater and stuff because it's, there's just not as many opportunities. And a lot of times they just want a very samey kind of person, not necessarily in the larger roles and the people that become notable, but for the smaller stuff I was going for, I I don't know. They, I was not their cup of tea. So we moved to LA and then I got horribly depressed, which was a long time in the making. It just had like the sun, let it flourish, you know? And the good part of coming to LA was I decided I wanted to not have a job that was going to get in the way of things. You know, I would have teaching jobs or even you know, bartending jobs or whatever. And I would feel bad asking off for auditions and things. So when I moved to LA, I was like, I want something that really is flexible. And that's when I started trying freelance writing. And I, you know, didn't make a lot of money right away, but in about six months, I was able to make enough money. And then I found myself enjoying writing these things more than just waiting around for auditions. So when that rare, you know, commercial audition for person excited about a dress at Ross came along, you know, that, that uh, marquee kind of a role, when that came along, it would just annoy me because I was like, oh, I enjoyed writing things. So I figured, hey, let's not continue to audition for things then and just do writing. And then since then I've been a freelance writer and a copywriter. And now I have my class, which is so exciting. And I hopefully, you know, get to help people actually start writing for the first time. And even though you often don't make a lot of money with freelance writing, you still make something often. And the time between 
putting in the effort and getting some kind of payment or readers or recognition is a lot shorter. And I find that kind of enables creativity a lot and also just, you know, buys food. So that's, uh, yeah, I went long with your story request. <laughs> there you go. No, I, I liked it. I think that was great. It's a lot to say, well, tell me your whole story, but you know, keep it short. <laughs> so I think you did a beautiful job and I will definitely pitch the heck out of your class because as a student and it currently, it's so great. Amber is really wonderful. Um, at just helping you with some of the finer details. Like my pitches are actually getting recognized now. And I've had a lot of no's for a really long time. So it's, yeah, I think you're doing wonderful work in the world and I appreciate you. So thank thank you. you. Yeah, you're welcome. I never, you know, imagined even that, you know, you're so established and you have such an incredible background. I really only thought I'd be talking to just actors who were just exactly like me, you know, not wanting to wait tables. So it's really exciting to me that you'd even want to take the class, but that it's also helping you in all of these other kind of areas and fields. Definitely. And so I'm curious, and if you don't want to talk about this, this is fine, but when you did move to LA and kind of went through that depression, what helped you to, to move through it and to get out of it? What were some things that were, that were helpful for you? Well, I mean, I'd love to say that just like taking a walk every day did it, but honestly it was just therapy and antidepressants, I think, or what really got me out of it. I'm not on antidepressants at the moment anymore, but I mean, taking them made a huge difference. (laughs) And I know it's not like a fun answer, but for me, it was helpful and therapy at all because I'd had the, I'd had issues with depression and anxiety long before I moved here. I was just busy enough that I could ignore it. And coming to LA where everything suddenly slowed down, that wasn't an option anymore. So therapy, I mean, that really, therapy really made the biggest difference. And then because of that, I was able to start to write a little bit. And then what also helped get through it was having that sense of control again, because coming here felt like I had nothing, Mm -hmm. you know, you just felt like you had nothing going for you and that you have no control over your time or your life or what's going to happen to you. And as soon as you schedule something, some random audition comes up and you're amongst 200 people, you know, going for one, I mean, one role was literally a a woman at a gynecologist's office, like legs open with one line that I got to be amongst 200 people to try to read for, you know, that's not the most fun life. So you don't, you don't get any of that creative satisfaction that is the whole reason you went into a creative field. So then starting to have something that I could control more. So even though, and I really did write for Snooki's blog, you know, even when I was writing, you know, something that was just like, you know, hilarious Jersey Shore moments for moms, that's not changing the world by any stretch of the imagination, but it made a huge difference to me because now it's least my name was on it. It's something <laughs> I'm contributing something creatively to the world and getting paid a little bit for it. And that started to make me feel like I had a sense of self again. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. And I think it's really, I love when people talk about what's helped them. Cause I know, you know, with this show, it, we're really coming looking at like what happens in life after recovery and moving through recovery. Mm -hmm. And then like, and then what, and I know anxiety and depression is such a huge part of so many people's stories, especially when there is like a substance abuse issue. And you know, that solves a lot of problems for a while. Cause we're just not aware of things kind of like being really busy in New York where you just, (laughs) you kind of don't take the time to notice. So it's great. I think therapy and antidepressants are uh, hugely helpful tools that like, if that's what helps, then use them and, you know, and, and come into being able to contribute and be creative and, you know, share all of your wonderfulness. So thank you. I'm so curious about the upright citizens brigade too. And I really want to talk to you about writing, but was that fun? Was it like terrible? Could you tell me a little bit about it? (laughs) Well, what's your, what, what do you think of when you think of UCB when you ask that question? I'm kind of curious. I don't know a lot about it. Mostly stuff that I've read from Amy Poehler's book, I think. So So UCB had lots of great things and things that weren't as great. So in a similar way, it came at a time like I'd 
just gotten out of acting school and I was starting the last two years of just regular college to get my degree and had that same feeling of just like, you aren't doing anything. So improv was a fun way to be able to perform and learn and continue to do stuff. And, you know, I met my husband through there and everything. So that's really great. And there's all kinds of like beautiful things about it. What's like less great is that then the theater starts to, the thing that was annoying to me is the theater pretended to be like, oh, this is just a place for everyone to like explore and play or whatever, but it wasn't, it's a theater, it's a commercial enterprise. And so it was competitive and some of the ways they made improv feel so important. So if you were on an improv team at the theater, like I was, you know, you made it out to be like, you're in Carnegie Hall every day and also doing heart surgery on stage. You know, like we would get horrible notes for when our shows weren't good and people, I felt terrible about myself so much of the time. And then when I finally got some distance from it, there was one day where I came back to work. I was just working the box office there. And I was like, my God, I'm underneath the grocery store for a hundred college kids, like this is not that big of a deal. So there's, so, you know, there's the good and the bad overall. It was a, definitely a good thing, you know, and no place is ever perfect, but there's certain weirdnesses about, I mean, any theater community, I'm sure <laughs> you will have your unhappy moments. Absolutely. But yeah, that was kind of my experience there. Yeah. That's fun. I mean, yeah. Most Both. of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Improv in general. I think the idea of it just sounds fun, but when I say that, I mean, like, I think about like a high school drama class and not actually being in a theater or having yeah. any, any pressure associated with it. Any, like, do you have any moments that you remember from like being an actor in New York that really stand out as like really amazing moments or like things that you really feel proud of or really engaged around? Oh, sure. Well, I got incredibly lucky. So I was on a, on a house team. So that was a team that you auditioned for and they selected and there would be hundreds of people that would audition for teams. And anyway, so we, so it was our night to perform these different teams. And then Robin Williams came by the theater and he had done the show that was like the Sunday night show where sometimes celebrities would be there. It was a little looser. So Robin Williams came by and said, do you mind if I do one of the shows? Can I sit in? And they were like, it's a different kind of show. And he's like, oh, if you don't want me, they're like, no, of course you're welcome to come and do it. We just wanted to explain it's different. And so my team was up next. So we got to do a show with Robin Williams and it was, you know, unsurprisingly awesome. <laughs> and what was so funny is that he did not like hog the stage or take all the attention. He was just like a team member and he was thanking us after the show. He's like, oh, thank you guys. That was so, and we're like, what? <laughs> this is a day we'll all remember forever. This is not an important time to you. But he was, it was just remarkable how nice and delightful he was. So that was, you know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I can't undersell that. Yeah, that sounds so fun. It's so nice. He was just like a normal person thanking you. Yeah. And it was, probably was really nice for him just to come get to be a part of theater at that level where people aren't like trying to, you know, kiss his butt or whatever, where they're just like, oh, hey, you're one of us. Yeah. It was so, cause he, he was just talking to everybody totally fine. And then he'd be like, oh yeah. So we're like, oh, you know, why are you in town? He's like, well, I know I'm visiting my son. And then we're going to go to London, go to Prince Charles birthday. And then be in London for <laughs> just, you know, just going to the market, having a picnic, seeing Prince Charles. So that wow. Was <laughs> yeah, such such a different life. Conversely, any like really terrible stories from New York that you're comfortable sharing? <laughs> Let's see. I'm lucky that I didn't have too many. I definitely didn't have any like bad celebrity run-ins really, other than Chevy Chase just being a jerk to everyone anytime he came to the theater. My stories aren't like ungodly horrible. They're just kind of mediocre or sad, you know, just all the times you do plays for free for nothing. <laughs> That's the majority of mine. Or you have to, you know, there's commercial auditions are a funny thing because if you get a national commercial, it pays a lot of money because there's royalties. So sometimes people can make a hundred thousand dollars 
from a regular national commercial. And that's not counting the flows, you know, the spokesperson kind of roles. And so there's all this pressure and they're always the dumbest things on earth. So you just go in and you're just like, okay, look surprised. And they just like blew a bunch of air in my face. And that was the... (laughs) That was the commercial. (laughs) That was the audition. There's so many where you're just (laughs) pretending to be in a car and like point. (laughs) Look, surprised. Don't talk. (laughs) Put air in your face. Yeah. Because it was some commercial where there was gonna be like a wind machine on you or something. Did Um, you know they were gonna do it? Or was was it like the machine at the doctor? (laughs) That's so awful. No, they oh. came in and then they're like, okay, we're going to blow this air out of you. And then it's like this whoosh, like a leaf <laughs> blower. It wasn't just like a calm breeze, <laughs> just this massive. So half of everybody's face had to just be shock, which was not the cool, <laughs> the cool reaction they were looking for. But yeah, yeah, stuff like that all the time. Yeah, that sounds rough. It sounds so hard to try to be an actor. Yeah, it is. It's very hard. You have to spend a lot of time. And then the other part that's hard about it is you have to work. You've got to work some other job. And so then, especially for me, at least, you know, as you get older, you're like, there's nothing wrong ever with waitressing and bartending, excuse me, serving and bartending and any of that. Like, that's totally fine. But when that's a job you despise and that's actually how you're spending all your time, it's miserable for you. So it's difficult to find other careers that will still give you the flexibility. And that's why I, you know, freelance writing is not the easiest career by any means, but once you get into it, it can be flexible and it's, you're going to write some articles sometimes that are dumb or kind of boring, but that's so much easier than being yelled at by somebody because, you know, you're, iced coffee was slightly too iced. And that's, you know, that's the difference to me. So if I could just like wave a magic wand, I would make it so everybody could like magically have a side job (laughs) that they enjoy. Cause it also then lets you do all your other stuff, your auditions or projects with such a more relaxed and excited from a relaxed and excited state, because you're not worried about well, this is the only audition I've had in two months or, well, I need to have this or I can't eat or what's even the point of doing this? I'm just going to go back to waiting tables. You know, like, ugh, that's the part of it that is hard. And yeah. Was it, I mean, I imagine, and I know you kind of touched on this a little bit, like that you had to really make an internal shift away from that. And it sounds like writing helped you to do that where you realize like, oh, wait, I actually like this and I can be creative. So the, you know, commercial for trying the dress on at Ross, wasn't that appealing? Like, I guess what I'm asking is just about the internal shift that happened for you or that you went through to be like, okay with like, oh no, I actually just like doing this now. Well, cause you're totally right. It, it's, it's weird, you know, it's weird to do something, you know, even again, I wasn't professionally doing it, but I was doing plays and stuff since I was six and went to school for it and all that stuff. So to suddenly be like, I don't even know. And to really honestly be like, you know, sure. If somebody had a sitcom, I could be in magically, I might do it, but even that doesn't sound that good (laughs) knowing all of the things that come along with it. So, so getting used to that was weird. My therapist definitely said, she's like, it was was like you had to go through a grieving period Yeah, because it's not that I regretted my choice. It's just that all of those, all of those dreams and imaginations I'd had for my life were gone. And even though it, it was a thing I wanted and knew it opened it up to like a more sustainable, interesting to me life, that's still a thing to deal with. And it's, it is weird. (laughs) It's not the worst thing I've gone through by any means, but it's weird. And I think a lot of actors end up finding that just this life of waiting around and not getting to do what you're good at is not their favorite thing. And that they have other things they might like to try or do, but they don't know how to start or they don't know how to do it or are scared it's going to fail again. 
-hmm. because the story around acting is like, it's failure or star, you know, that's kind of all anybody hears about. So, you know, for me, it's like having to just admit, yeah, I guess I'm just a huge failure. (laughs) And that's, you know, doesn't feel great. But in reality, there are a million people who leave acting to do all sorts of things that are perfectly happy with their lives, often happier and still doing the core of whatever it is that made them fall in love with that in the first place. So it is weird. (laughs) It's a weird transition, but it's one that you can, that you can get through and find something else that still makes you happy. So I, I encourage any creative people, like if you're just miserable, but you're like, yeah, but I'm pursuing my dreams. Well, if your dream is like, my dream wasn't to be in a play and work two other jobs just so I could live. Like that's not a dream. So if the reality isn't really what you want, it's okay to go and try for something else. And I've seen lots of people find it. Yeah. I think that's very well said because I think we put so much pressure on it. I feel like there's some parallels in the, even in the entrepreneurial world where it's like, you're hugely successful and it's six figures or you just failed. And it's like, what about the people like who we just work a lot and like, we're kind of making it work, but it's like, it's hard. And I don't think we hear about that as much. And I I think that's really like success or failure. I know it messes with my head of like, well, if I'm not doing this, then I'm not, you know, living the dream, but it's like, well, is my, what's my day-to-day happiness? Like, like, am I able to be creative? Like, are there things that I can stoke those fires like while I'm, you know, working on the the big dream. So I think a lot of people relate to that in one field or another, even if it's not necessarily with acting. Yeah. And entrepreneurship, you're totally right. It's so similar. And I mean, part of it too, is like, there's always going to be something that sucks about whatever you do. So even if you're a huge star, you still have to go do hours and hours of promotional interviews that are usually boring or you have to, or you can't be around your family because you're traveling all the time. Like there are still, you have people stalking you. <laughs> like there's <laughs> downsides to everything. So sometimes I think there's this like fantasy that there's going to be this one. Well, finally I'll get to the state where everything's just great all the time, which I certainly kept thinking. And I'm finally realizing that like that doesn't exist. So if what you're doing right now is just an absolute misery, then what are the chances that absolute misery is going to lead to something you really love or suddenly it just all shifts overnight? Like it doesn't. <laughs> so well said. So well said. Like what are the chances? Cause I think when we live in misery, we sort of beget more misery, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, versus conversely, if we can take time and appreciate, I mean, like a lot of the work I do is like teaching people how to build their capacity to feel good, which sounds ridiculous. Cause everyone's like, of course I well, I want to feel good. I'm like, yeah, but what happens when you actually do feel good? Do you even know? Yeah. And yeah. So like taking time with what is like happy and fun and nice, which it sounds like that's See, I'm going to pull it back around. That's what happened for you with writing is that it was, it became this thing that you really did enjoy and was feeding you creatively, creatively. Yeah. And Um, it's gone through lots of different stages and it will continue to do so, you know? So it felt good to have that kind of control. And then I was able to make more money and then, okay, the instability was hard for me for a little while. And then I got a full-time job. And then shifted out of that because I didn't need that kind of stability anymore. And now I'm running a business and that will grow and change and evolve, you know? So it's, it's just, I mean, it's very cliche, but like, it is just not a straight line. And I think the more you're just okay and understand that everybody is going through those just twists and turns of everything. And you just allow yourself to do it. You know, like I got a full-time job going into an office And I know a lot of people would think like, boy, that sucks, (laughs) you know, boy, what a sad fall or whatever. And it wasn't at all because it helped me restabilize things and learn a bunch of stuff and now have actual confidence to go into something that's more my own. So yeah, weird road for everybody. I think that's good to note too. It is a weird road for everyone and it's comparing yourself is, you know, never a good idea. Yeah. I wish... I wish it were easier to not do it, but 
I know. You don't have the magic secret, Amber? It's why, I know, uh, I wish. <laughs> I thought you'd be a good guest. Secretly, you'd reveal how to stop comparing ourselves. What are, let's see, I, I do want to like hear you talk more about freelance. Maybe just tell us a little bit, like what is a freelance writer? And if for anyone else who is interested in doing more writing, like what are ways to, to break into it? Yeah, so freelance writing, uh, the writing I talk about mostly is writing for online publications and newspapers and magazines. So the writing that you'll see in in places like Thrillist or Eater or New York Magazine or New York Times, stuff like that. There's a huge range of places out there, you know, from really small blogs that maybe don't pay that much to, you know, print magazines, print newspapers that are really big deals. And I think what a lot of people don't know is that even those big time places, they need freelancers because one, I mean, staffs of any kind of publication get cut all the time nowadays. And so there's that. Uh, Also, just because of the internet, the demand for content is just higher than they could possibly have a staff do. So that means that any place almost, any major place almost, will take pitches from anybody. And that's cool. You know, it can feel scary to just reach out or seem like it's annoying, but actually editors do need and want those stories. So if you're interested now, freelance writing can also have a whole bunch of other stuff where you write more on the copy or marketing side of things, which I've done, but I don't talk about as much, but there are great resources out there for that. But for publications, I think it's just a nice way to get started because it's often easier to get a little bit of something and it's feels good. You know, it's very validating. So same thing when I had a $20 article I'd write for, you know, that Terry Crews blog that I wrote for, for a little while, it wasn't a lot of money at first, but it's still, it gives you that instant validation, which helps you keep going. Cause the hard part is always just continuing because there's lots of no's and lots of, Oh God, I don't want to sit down and write right now. Kind of things that happen, but the you know, the level of going from no samples to having a little bit of something and getting paid for it, that gap is just way smaller with freelance writing. So I've had students that didn't have samples, yeah, and got into Thrillist and Eater. Others got into smaller blogs, but they still had something. And that's with no samples at all. So one tip I would say is if you want to get started, just make your own sample. So just write a short article. It could even be 500 words if you don't have a lot of time, but write a short article and publish it on Medium and write it in the style of a kind of article for a place you might like to write for. So if you love BuzzFeed, write something in the style of BuzzFeed. Or if you love New York Magazine, write something in the style of The Cut or Vulture whatever it is, and put that on Medium. So now you have a sample. If an editor wants to see what your writing is like, they can look at it. Obviously, as you get more bylines, it gets a little easier to get yeses from places. And it certainly gets easier to get like part-time or full-time jobs, but you don't have to have published things to get started. You really don't. And by starting that little chain of putting stuff out for yourself, it also just helps. And then the last little thing is Medium is cool because you can sign up for free for their paid program. You won't make very much money unless you really hit something big, which doesn't happen too often. But like the students right now are all talking about they got their first payments and it's like 15 cents, 30 cents, $2. And of course, you know, what can you do with that? Nothing. But it's still, you wrote it, it's up there and you're getting paid. It is It's just validation that helps keep you excited to move forward. So any of that kind of validation that can help keep you moving on, that's going to be the most important thing in the long run. Yeah, that's so huge. Just that little, those little successes really do go a long way to to spur you forward. And I'll say just personally speaking, I took Amber's advice on this and I wrote something on Medium. I just talked about the X-Files because I'm obsessed with it. And it was great. But then I got published in this film cred thing because I wrote about Picard and Star Trek, which I'm also obsessed with. So, but that was really fun. It wasn't a lot of money, but that was just a really a neat thing. So this method works, people. You too can can write something about uh, the X-Files or 
other, you know, silly things like that and become published, which is really exciting. And let's see, I have a few things I wanted to ask you, but I guess one of them is how do you kind of continue to roll forward when there are like no's or radio silence or just that whole kind of managing rejection in a field where you do have to put yourself out there and, and try. And, and you just mentioned some great ways to like build that momentum to move forward, but any other things that you found personally helpful or helpful for your students and and kind of getting over the, the no factor? Yeah. So, I mean, it, one, it's totally okay to feel like crap when you hear no, you know, like acknowledge, acknowledge what you're feeling. So I, to me, I can feel a difference in myself when I acknowledge the reality. And so I will either go, it's okay. Everybody gets rejected. It's not a big deal. Everything's cool. (laughs) Hooray. And then eventually that crappy feeling I had will surface later, but a thousand times worse. Whereas when I go, oh God, son of a bee, like that sucks. Great. Okay. Now I've acknowledged it. Now I don't need to continue to talk about how terrible it is or why it's so bad or what it means about me, because it doesn't actually mean anything about me. And everybody says that with all kinds of rejection, but I swear it's like the most true with freelance writing. Cause when you get a no from a story, It's literally just that that one story at that one particular time was not what they needed right then. And that's, doesn't mean the story's good or bad and has nothing to do with your writing. It just means they couldn't use it. So it's hard to feel that, you know, that it's completely impersonal, but the more you can remember that and the more you can remember that this is not a reflection on me, it's just a reflection on timing, you know, then that can help keep you moving forward. And that's also where creating something of your own can help along the way. So if you do really like writing about Picard, or I had a student who really loved writing about K-pop, you know, starting to just periodically write about that on Medium or build, you know, maybe a small newsletter or just, you don't have to go crazy and make it your whole life, but just adding that little tiny bit of something that gets you doing what you want to do where nobody can say yes or no to it. You're it's, you're in charge. That also, I feel like builds up resilience against the no's that come your way. That's great advice. I think, yeah, that idea of building up resilience. And and again, you mentioned like having that sort of internal locus of control, you know, where, Hey, this is my thing and I'm doing this. That does make us feel like have more ownership of our, our beings, you know, of who we are. And I think that helps. Yeah. With the resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Any like big myths about being a writer that you you'd like to dispel or that you've heard to people approach you with and you have to, you have to set them straight. There's not too many big ones I'm approached with. I mean, I think one of the biggest things is that it's for freelance writing for almost all of it. It is not a big break situation, you know? So A lot of times, especially creatives come in with that idea of like, well, this pitch has to be perfect because it's my one thing and then it's going to go nuts and everybody's, you know, there's like so much weight attached to some of the ideas because there's so much passion around it. Whereas most of the time it's just, there's a story and it's gone. And that might sound bad, but I kind of think it's great because it means you might put out a story. You might even write one that's not that great. And Someone will read it and like it. Someone might read it and hate it and they move on with their day and you keep writing something else. So even people I've known that had stories that kind of went viral and got noticed, she got an agent from it, which was great. And, you know, has an easier time pitching things by, by all means, but she has a book deal that's still hard to sell just because it's a book, nothing to do with her. (laughs) You know, she still has to work. She still has to find writing jobs. You know, it's not like a golden ticket into anything. (laughs) It's just great. I'm one step up. That's a little bit easier. Cool. I'm going to keep moving forward so that there's no big breaks and you like, you just have to keep reaching out. So That's the other big part is almost no matter who you are, unless you can hire somebody, you have to keep pitching or 
sharing your things or talking about stuff or reaching out to people. The idea that like, oh, I'll just write something and then it'll get picked up and discovered is kind of not how anything works. <laughs> There's, you have to almost do equal work to keep working, which can be annoying and you can do it at different paces. So it's not like you have to live this life of marketing all the time. Like some people will kind of make you believe in the, in the marketing world, but just keeping that ongoing idea of, I will keep sharing my ideas. I will always have to put myself out there a little bit, but in return, I will get to do a job that's more exciting to me and uses my skills. So those are a couple things. Yeah. That sounds really smart. I like how in the class you recommended picking a day a week to write and then a day a week to pitch. I think that's really wise. That way you don't just spend the whole week. Like you were saying, like fretting over it, which is something I do and would definitely do. So I really like having that dialed in of like, okay, I'm just going to write something today, whether it's something I'll pitch or not, but just to get in that habit, I think of, I'm going to write one day a week, even if it's really short. And I write about Picard's blue jumpsuit, which really I have so much to say about that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, I think I do need to write something else on me. Just, just, just about that. But yeah, it's so wise to, I think, to give ourselves and, and to know that, just to know that going in, like, yeah, there's going to be effort involved here. And have you, like, is writing a book something that you'd want to do? I know you, you have one book out. Is that something on the, on the horizon for you? Well, my one book out is my short stories, uh, short story collection of short stories based on the musical cats. So that is my proof of, cause I talk, you know, in the class just went over like your dumbest ideas, not in a demeaning way, but like honoring the ideas you brush off as dumb. I feel like a lot of times leads to something that's easy and fun and usually good, <laughs> good for your writing business. Anyway. So I, I live by that rule. Cause I did write a book of short stories about the musical cats, which is the first time in almost forever that I wrote something and it was just fun to do it. And I think I've sold 20 copies. So pretty cool, <laughs> but it's just cool. like, why not? why not do it? I keep thinking about it. Let me just write it. Anyway, I just wanted to preface in case anyone was looking up my, my fine works and found that. Yeah, I would definitely, I definitely do want to write a novel someday as something, you know, kind of totally different. And that might be something I start working on not in the super near future, because I'm still doing things with my business and getting used to that. But yeah, I would like to write a novel someday. I might write a book about something about writing, but as at the moment, I don't feel like, at the moment, my ideas are kind of like, those have been said. I'll let me refine what it is that I can actually add that's useful. But yeah, I think definitely. And What's nice about that is like a book you again can control. And if nobody picks it up, nobody publishes it, you can still self-publish it and sell it to those 20 people and somebody sees it. And that makes a difference to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just to have your work in the world in that way is so exciting. There is just something about it because I've spent a lot of my life and my students often do too, of just thinking about it and should I do this or that? And that's going to take so long. And what if that doesn't work? And well, is this idea good enough? You know, like you just get caught up in that. And I still absolutely do sometimes, but the more you can just do it, even at its most half hearted, you know, that's, it just does something. You start getting responses from people. You start finding like new things to write about or new work or people reach out to you for sometimes stuff that's totally unrelated, but just like putting that energy outwards always leads to something more when just that inner torment spiral that my brain loves to get involved in just leads to me being upset. <laughs> so yeah. it's not easy to just like snap yourself out of it by any means, but the more you can just pick a small thing and just do it. Yeah. If it is that Picard's jumpsuit piece, because you keep thinking about it, you know, it just makes it easier to keep being in action in all the little parts of your life. Definitely. And I'm like, oh, I just had this great idea to write about all the nightwear that they wear on the next generation. Ah! Of Star Trek. 
I'm going to pitch that too. <laughs> yeah. There's a Star Trek site, StarTrek.com. That's always there. looking for pitches. <laughs> I'm familiar with them, but I think it's so, so great. And for anyone who is like interested in pursuing freelance, right. I'm really grateful that I found Amber. And one of the other things that I love about your class is, is that you write and you pitch. And I think just getting over that hurdle and like, yes, you know, refining how to do it, but actually to, to have a group of people that are going through the same thing. And you have like set assignments and some things to do of like, okay, great. I'm going to actually write something this week. And then I'm going to actually pitch something. And I have a ton of support with that. I would really recommend it for anyone who is curious about freelance writing. And I promise Amber isn't paying me or anything to say this. I, <laughs> no. it's, it's been really, nice of you. it's been really helpful for me. I've wanted to write for a long time. So I think just having that, like the support, but also someone who gets you to do it is, is so big to get us out of that tormented place because it's so yeah. easy to just hang out there in our brains of like, well, I don't know. And I guess I could do it someday or I have too much else to do. It's really easy to cycle in that spot. So, you know, as with anything, having support is, is really helpful. Um, yeah. yeah. And my classes are focused on, on doing, you know, so even if you, and they just don't have to be perfect because look at the internet, you know, <laughs> tell me one perfect thing you found today and I'll give you a dollar, you know? And so we hold ourselves to these standards that nobody else is being held to. And I'm not saying that means just like write garbage or write things that are untrue or something like that. No, but just that standard is so impossible. And all it does is stop you. So the more you can just be like, whatever, write 10 cool things that happened in Star Trek discovery, whatever, who cares? Like you've done it now. And that gives you more ideas for future things. And it just like gets the ball rolling. Absolutely. And I love that you had talked about in the little form that you filled out for me, the, like this idea of finding creative satisfaction outside of traditional, like traditional means or traditional gatekeepers, I think is the word that you used. And for anyone, I think even broader broader than the scale of writing, like what kind of advice do you have for someone who maybe isn't in that place? Like maybe it's not full on misery every day, but it's like, oh, I am this creative person and I want to branch out because it takes courage and I, and also like a system. It takes, you need like a plan, I think of some kind. Yeah. It's a, it's a funny mix because it is a mixture of a little bit of a plan but also not a plan that's too constricting that stops mm. you. And and a lot of it is, it's just that initial courage. So this isn't some, I mean, you can do whatever you want, but this isn't some like just hustle and get it out there and write a million things. And no, uh, that sounds miserable, but just that initial step is like just saying yes to yourself. You have to trust that you're, because when you sit down to write, usually your first thoughts uh, are, I have no ideas or all of my ideas are terrible. Those usually there's some kind of play on that fun thought. And so one step is just acknowledging, Hey, thank you brain for telling me how bad I am. Delightful. Thanks for sharing that. And then you just have to kind of go like, what else, what feels easy. And maybe that's, I started drawing. I got some little, cause I keep wanting to do crafts, but I get tired and I'm like, I don't want to knit a whole thing, or I don't want to embroider a whole thing, but I like want to do something. And if I just draw, I'll get frustrated because it won't look right. And I bought these, they're like black. And then when you scratch it off, it's like rainbow colors underneath. If you've ever seen those, I bought those. Cause I was like, well, at least it'll be colorful. And then I've drawn a little whale, <laughs> all this <laughs> cool dumb stuff, but you know, it's like, I chose the easiest thing. And that allowed me to start getting out of that just like cycle of the reasons why everything is hard and why I'm so bad and just into the cycle of, oh, okay, I can try something. This was fun. I can try something else. I can keep doing this. And that little bit of momentum can help you say yes to other creative stuff. Cause exactly like I didn't think starting a newsletter would make me like complete a book of short stories, but I had my newsletter. So I knew I at least had people to share it with. So I was like, you know what? Why don't I write this stupid book of short stories? <laughs> and I did, and I feel good about it no matter what. And I did have some people to share it with. So it's just taking those, like, just do the thing that seems 
easy. And if you have to also set a timer, just set a timer for five minutes or 10 minutes and just pick the dumbest, easiest thing, whatever and whatever, if it's cooking or exercising or anything, just pick that easy, dumb thing and set a timer and then see how you feel after that. That's smart. Oh, you have so many great ideas. Thank you. I love that. Yeah, it's true. And that just whole notion of starting small like that, like five minutes, because you can completely change your state in five minutes. And even, even if you don't completely change it, even if you change it 2%, that's still a 2% change. Yeah. And it can be hard. And that's like, that's really what happens so much is it's that little tiny change. And the next day you still might not want to sit down and do that timer or whatever, but like eventually it just wears away and things start to become easier. And I'm a person too, where I'm like five minutes, why not 50 minutes? I'll do two hours every day. I like want to jump in overboard and then go, how did I get burned out? Because <laughs> I, I'm a real all or nothing person. So it's hard for me sometimes to go to those, like, just do what's easy and don't do it for long. <laughs> Cause yeah. that will be better than you worrying about it all day and completing zero minutes of the thing you wanted to do. Definitely. And, and it's just so much less internal strife and struggle when we can just do the thing for five minutes versus thinking about it all day and feeling yeah. terrible that we didn't do it. And yeah. That's so dumb. Our brains sometimes they're too smart for their own good. Well, thank you so much, Amber. Do you have anything that you're currently pitching or any last bits of advice or wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience or do you think you want to tell them about? How can we find you? Sure. Well, yeah. If you are curious at all about writing, I do a newsletter that's twice a week where I send out writing jobs or sometimes writing adjacent jobs, but mostly writing jobs and then freelance tips and sometimes just fun links to things but always writing jobs. So if you want to even just see kind of some of the things that are out there, because there's always something surprising, you know, there's like Buzzfeed, this and that, you know, and then there'll be, I had one the other week that was for writers for a blog that was about outdoor heaters and fire pits. And like, that's all you'd write about. Didn't know that existed. So if you are curious, you can even just see kind of what what's up in the writing world with that newsletter. And I give out tips, as I said, so that's, if you go to amberpetty.com, you'll see it on the homepage or you can go to amberpetty.com slash sign up altogether and see that. And then soon I will also be doing my free workshop again, which is three key steps to becoming a freelance writer. So that'll be some dates in June and July. But if you go to amberpetty.com, you'll see that sign up there. And I highly recommend, no surprise, the free <laughs> workshop though, but I got some really great tips. I think that's how I did that X-Files thing was just from the free workshop. So oh. yeah, so fun. So definitely check out Amber's um, website and the free workshop if you're interested in freelance writing. Yeah, it's a really a fun way to be creative and explore. So I know a lot of people who listen are creative people and might be looking for ways to share their stories or or just to have more of a creative outlet. And I think writing is a wonderful way to do that. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you so much. I've loved every minute. Yeah, it's great. And thanks everyone for listening. I appreciate you so much and I'll see you, in the, see you soon.